0: Thank you. Uh, thanks. I'm standing on this without my shoes on and one of the reasons to do that um, is that last night many people uh, decided that they wanted to get into this work a little bit more and started and said well we can't possibly walk on people's work and I kind of said of course you can but maybe take your shoes off. Uh, and I think this is what uh, I'd like to talk about in terms of this deep mapping project um, because it is actually um, both an incomplete work uh, it's a collaborative work uh, and it's also a work that uh, invites people to come in and look very closely at a range of different things that build up the cultural landscapes of places. I'll just read really from this very fine book but because I need to tell you what deep mapping is. Ten things about deep maps. They are one, big. Two, slow. Three, sumptuous. Four, articulated by a variety of media. Five, comprising three basic elements. Engaged in by insiders and outsiders. Seven, collaborations of the amateur and the professional. Eight, combinations of different orders of material. Nine issuers of conventional cartography, and ten unstable, fragile, and temporary. And I quote there from um, a book uh, called, called Theatre Archaeology, and it's uh, this comes from a whole range of areas. Deep mapping is quite a well-known, uh, I guess, theory and practice that comes out of particularly um, literary studies, um, but. So, I've kind of adopted this. I've I've adopted it and appropriated it to see how it would work for Stony Rises. The invitation to be involved in this um, through RMIT and the interest in Stony Rises was pretty compelling. I used to live in Victoria. I've moved to South Australia and I live in Stone Country. These three, um, well, these panels here, the three groups along here are Flinders Rangers Country. Um, it's Orotunga country, which is north of Wilpina Pound. The other group uh, on the, uh, uh, that you see in front of you on the far side are the stone country, is the stone country of the Stony Rises, the volcanic country. There's the idea that we're looking at country that is constructed through eruption, through um The forces that actually allow flow and spread through the landscape in the Stony Rises. In the Flinders Ranges, it's folding and faulting. They're both, the topographies are both uh, expansions of, I guess, really, really violent activities that have happened over a great amount of time. The Flinders Ranges country is very old country. The Stony Rises country is much newer country. And yet what you find are these kind of confluences of, of um, ideas around the nature of stone. So this project really, and, I, and I'll run through it very slowly and slightly because these big maps are slow, but I think what I'd prefer you to do once I just say generally what these are is if you wish to take your shoes off, have a walk through and kind of explore it for yourself. Um, when we were travelling, this is also another, it's a story about travelling. We travelled through the Stony Rises as a group of people and collaborators in the first instance, uh, with the other artists who were here in the, in the room. We also had a subsequent tour through the Stony Rises with a different group of collaborators who started uh, from a project, a writing project in South Australia and travelled to Melbourne and travelled through here. So the works that you see in the Stony Rises project are both works that um, I've um, I guess produced and they're also works that have been offered into the project. The same with the Flinders Ranges. Many people come to stay in the Flinders Ranges and we often go walking. So this is also um, a mapping of those walks and those places where people like to go and much of the work in here has been offered and given um, and it draws upon ideas of stone collections what you come across when you're walking through these places. So just briefly um, in the Flinders Ranges the one that I'm particularly standing on here Hill 564 is a story about a folded and faulted hill and one that one everybody seems to notice. My mother's even done a painting of it. And so there's this collection of a whole range of things around the idea of hills um, and what what one draws from that. At the far end is Mount Nurat, also a hill but a volcanic hill, not a folded one, a a volcano uh, that we visited. And there's gifts from uh, Ross Gibson, who can't be here today, about how one might traverse that particular hill. The next uh, one in is a story um from the Flinders Ranges from really starting from a place of uh settler culture the first settlement um in that particular area and a walk across that landscape into area where there are Aboriginal carvings that may be 10,000 years old so it's this transition between cultures and this is the kind of story of those transitions between cultures and in the Stony Rises section, the second one in, is the walk that we did at Lake Kondar, um, coming from again settler culture and looking further and further into the aspect of, of, of eel trapping and the way that stones were used um, to make these, these traps. Um, a colleague of mine who went through the Stony Rises, um, who has offered a, a piece, among others, which is actually a recipe for eels. And uh, Stephen Lou, <laughs> who we know quite well, has actually... The, uh, the embroidery there is all about... Um, one of his recipes um, about um, the preparation of eels. So what's kind of interesting is that this particular project has actually engendered new work. So some of those associations about what might um, arise from being in the Stony Rises um, has come that way. And then the, f- the two central ones are about the garden. Uh, the Flinders Ranges project is about the Oritanga garden, um, which is a homestead that's been there since the 1930s. But the land of the Oritanga is a much um, more kind of ancient story, I guess. And these are really collections and uh, contributions from others and who have worked um, in the, in the Oritanga project people come and do artwork there. They come and write or they come and explore and they always leave something behind. So this is some of the collections from people who are the local community as well as people who come in from that. One of the connections between the Oratunga Garden um, and the, the broader landscape is also its relationship to Lake Torrens, um, the Salt Lake. So there's always this kind of looking between I guess the fertile land that you live on and the um, that the harsh dryness of the lake. It's a kind of a magnet. Similarly, in the garden project, which is the Wirijul garden, um, which is Marian Manifold's garden and her works um, on the other side, that particular work starts to look at the relationship between the garden and also Lake Narput and Lake Karangamite. When we move, when we first went there, Lake Narput was completely sand. No water, no nothing. Um, So this idea between the sand lake and the salt lake and this relationship and and the way that this idea of water is ever-present comes in these works, and these are also works around the gardens. The final thing is that as these are all um, memory maps of the walks that we've done and people have done together, these are actually records of a particular of walks that have been done. Um, So each of the digitals, and this is the other range of media, um, are just still photographs of... A particular walk on a particular day and what was noticed some of them were done alone but most of them were done with a collaborator with someone else so there's a story behind each one of those. Um, I probably better stop there.
1: Do we have any questions from um, the audience? I'll throw in the first one then. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you mentioned memory and that, that seems to be, you know, what a huge layer of this is. Mm-hmm. A memory of, you know, going back. Can you talk a little, perhaps a bit more about how you chose those different memories then?
0: Oh, right. Uh, oh, yes, that's it. It's actually more a kind of a set of coincidence. I think one of the things is, as designers, we build up this really big archive of knowledge. Um, One of the uh, Oratanga projects is actually an archive of sorts, um, of all of the things that people offer. People come and do work and if they leave, they actually leave something behind. Um, And I was kind of interested to see how that kind of method that kind of going back and sorting through an archive but at the same time making new works could actually apply to the Stony Rises because I saw really that there was a whole group of people who were collaborating um, in certainly their own memories as we were doing the walks um, the particular walk with Marion um, we walked around her lake one day and there's a whole series of stories and a whole range of ways of actually starting to remember what was happening um, in that landscape at that particular time and it's impossible to s- sometimes to write it all down so how do you abstract those writings and, and what people offer to start to read and build up this quite um, I don't know uh, it's not really intangible, it's more a um, coincidental set of things that, that just arise from being in a place Being there with other people and inviting people to actually contribute or do something or speculate. So that's really, this is a kind of a methodology that you're looking at, I suppose. Take your
1: shoes off. (laughs) Um, Ginny, I'm interested in, when you look at the work, that there's, um, I want to use Ross's term of the pulse country kind of um, thinking because there's the color changes there is the, these very subtle and it's, I suppose it's most noticeable in the rocks because they're the things you know are true in the colourings Um between the what is the Tunga project or, or- Tunga location to the um, or Flinders Ranges location to the stony rises and so and there's all these various voices and artifacts within here yet the I'm interested in your aesthetic within this, because although it's a, it's a collation of many things, it is still, to me, reminiscent of your other works. And so I'm interested to know how that, your practice manifests in the aesthetic of the work.
0: Thanks, Lorraine, that's a nice one. <laughs> um, I think the thing that the underlying structure of it is probably is the the aesthetic. I mean it's always that idea that you can take on what you get, but if there's an underlying structure then you, it probably can all go together. It's a bit like ha- making a garden. If you make a garden with an underlying structure the way that it has it works with drought or it works with growth or death or a whole range of things that you bring in. Um, it enables that to come in and and be brought into it and, and, and accept it and then those the, the kind of uh, collaborations that happen in the work are when you have these juxtapositions of everybody else's work and you can start to see that there are other things that are, are built out of it so new work comes because of these intersections and it's been quite interesting that some of this work has been, has, has actually come about because somebody's been in the car on the same time and thought about things and then a, a number of these works are two people working on them. So, So I think that's the aesthetic. The aesthetic is one that you can take on board anything that someone gives you. Um, and start to try to work with it and expand it and actually encourage other people to work and even since last night, with people walking on it and looking at it and lifting up the muslin because it 's the idea that if you lift up this muslin then you can actually find what 's underneath some of this and what comes to the fore and what moves around there's so much there's things that have been displaced, and so in that displacement it 's another kind of energy to it, um, and that 's what it's intended to do is this a final representation and could it be represent uh, displayed another way at another time and is it on the floor for a reason typically things in a gallery potentially on a wall um yes this is completely incomplete in all the other places as it's going it's there's a different space and so actually the original idea for this is it's twice as big as what you're seeing now. And actually, everything is much more spread out. Um, and the idea is that you can actually walk on, on it, and people can actually bring things and offer stuff into it. So if somebody from the Stony Rises or from the Flinders or even other, if they, if they want to, things can be offered into it. So there's space for change. So it's constantly, it's constantly changing. So, and it might change next week. And it'll change by people looking at it. So in the other galleries, it's going to it's going to be much more reduced again. And so what isn't here, but is there, there is the pile. So it's like an archaeological layer. So the bits that can't go in will actually be sit beside it in this kind of layer. So they'll still be present, but you won't see them. Yeah, always to be on the floor. Yeah, because I mean, it's a landscape, and so it's a way of actually. Moving through landscape, um, and that's that's why you can walk on it.
1: Well, thank you very much, uh, Ginny, and um, thank you everyone for coming today, and. Um,